Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're listening to Rabot & Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome back in. Final hour on a Friday. How about that? Get you into your weekend here on ESPN 680, 105.7. Bobby V, after us, roundtable, 3 o'clock, mixtape at 5.30. Of course, Fast Break Friday on the V Show as well. Getting you ready for Virginia tomorrow. Getting you ready for that trip to Fayetteville for the Cats as well. Uh, my name's Louis Rabot. I'm alongside Zach Cantrell. You can find the station at ESPN 680. You can find me on Twitter at Radio Louis as well. Uh, closing in on 1,000 followers, Zach. How about that? And just, uh, you know, the, just, the, just the tens of people who listen to this show following me on Twitter. How about that? Hey, we have more uh, than tens of people. Just, just tens and tens. How about that? There we go. Lots <laughs> of tens. <laughs> Thank you, tens. <coughs> Maybe that's just the textures. Um, what do you think was the... Um, what do you think was the announced attendance for the Duke game? Uh, 8059 was the attendance. That 8059 was the attendance. I'll yes. say 12,000 was the announced yeah. attendance. 12620. Yeah. Hey, close. I didn't go over. We'll uh we'll have to I'll have to do some math and see where 8059 8, uh comes in, but uh we will we'll get to that. Uh, as well, I'll put that out on Twitter at Radio Louis as well. All right, let's get into some horses as we do every Friday. Um you can always go back, you can check out my podcast alongside Mike Gandolfo. Uh, on the Horse Racing Happy Hour, we recorded last night with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, John Piasek from the Maryland Breeders Association. Second half of the show is about the road to the Preakness. We do those shows every year. Uh, the folks in Maryland are great to the show and great to us. And so we do those shows every year. Happy to do those. But we open with a little bit of discussion on that card at Gulfstream Park tomorrow. If you're unaware of the big race days within horse racing, obviously Kentucky Derby Day and the Oaks Day before it are two of the biggest days. After that, I would say the next big day on the horse racing calendar shifts to Long Island. It's when they run in the Belmont. Tons of graded stakes that day. I think it's like nine, six of them are grade ones, the very highest graded stakes in horse racing. Really enjoy that day. A bunch of great races that you've probably heard about outside of the Belmont. They run the Met Mile that day, the Acorn. Just some really, really great races that they run on that card. But one of those races, and then after um, the uh, after the the Breeders' Cup, which happens in the beginning of November, they run the Pegasus World Cup, and it's a, uh, a festival of racing down in the Miami area that will happen tomorrow. Zach, it's under a bit of pressure because um, there is now a renewed and intensified interest in horse racing in the Arabian Peninsula, so in places like the United Arab Emirates and in Saudi Arabia. And their offer for purses is a little bit higher than it is in the United States. So, Zach, this is a $3 million race tomorrow. Okay, I want to be very clear. That is a butt ton of money. <laughs> if we are measuring money in butt tons, it's a lot. Okay, <laughs> uh, the Derby until this year was run at three million dollars. Okay, to give you an idea, that's how much they think of this race. Okay, if you had to guess, Zach, how much is the UAE Derby's purse, and what is the Saudi? Cup's oh, the Saudi purse? purse is way bigger. How no much question. you think? So uh, if it's three million in Miami, how much is it in Saudi? Thirty. It's like 20. It's like live in PGA. <laughs> so here's the thing. I hear all these, all, all, and I understand the consternation. Oh, leave these horses in North America. Oh, run them here where I can watch them. I, I mean this as nicely as I can. If you have a job right now and you make $50,000, and someone comes to you today and says, hey, if you fly to Saudi Arabia for the weekend, I'll give you fifty grand." you are flying to Riyadh for the weekend. Yeah. Obviously. These things are very simple, and that's what's going on with the purse structure. And by the way, it's why there should be some kudos for what's happening in Kentucky on the purse structure side. 
it, it, government, on the regulation side, on you know the the HBPA side, on lots of things to get that historical money into the purses here to keep a lot of the best horses here. They're not running field sizes in Southern California and other places like they are at freaking Turfway Park. And that needs to be that needs to be brought up. They're doing a good job, the groups in the state here, of funding those purses to make sure that those people stay here. But we are seeing a bit of that uh, going. Uh, texture, you're like a young Tim Sullivan getting the scoop. I was laughing about this the other day with the attendant stuff, Zach, because I was talking to Diener about it. And, uh, you know, occasionally I'll get a, a text or a tweet that's like, hey, man, you're a U.K. plant or, you know, this kind of stuff, whatever. And I get it. It's rivalry stuff. I'm fine with it. And Dieter's response was something like, it's called freedom of information. Literally anyone could ask for that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's freedom. Yeah, that's what it is. It's very, uh, uh, text, I'll take my horse to North Korea if they gave me $20 million. No, that's right. You would, of course, yeah. Um, uh, texture, if a, if a jockey breaks their apprenticeship in the first race, do they lose the weight break for the rest of the mounts of the day? Also, Turfway Park can go to hell. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's a person who gambles. I know that. That's that is a gambling text right there. Uh, no, it's it's not a it's not a first race apprenticeship thing. The apprenticeship thing is based on a on a calendar rather than on uh, the the first race of a day, something like that. So there you go. Um, some interesting races tomorrow. We go over uh, the reason I bring up the podcast is because we do go over at the beginning of it. Uh, some of the races in the late part of the card there. I think this is a, a very good betting race tomorrow, Zach, at Gulfstream Park to close the day. It is the Pegasus World Cup. It's a mile and an eighth on their dirt course there. Uh, if you are not familiar with the layout at uh, the new Gulfstream Park, uh, the finish line, if you run a race starting there, it's a mile and an eighth. They have a mile and an eighth oval. At, at Churchill Downs, for example, we have a mile. And so many of the races, uh, Louis is U of L's Jerry Tipton on attendance. I should go take pictures. He's totally right. Uh, the uh, at Churchill we run them uh, at a mile. So a lot of the races, if they go to turn Zach, they card them for a mile and a sixteenth, so that they start just behind uh, the start line there at Churchill Downs. Of course, they have the one mile shoot uh, for one mile races over at Churchill. But mile and an eighth here, uh, about a uh, furlong shy of the classic, or two furlong shy of the classic distance here. A bunch of interesting horses in here that could make hay. The favorites here that, that going to the um, post are going to be trained by two guys that we know, of course. Bob Baffert, National Treasure, um, won the Preakness uh, this past year. Um, excuse me, not the Preakness. He's not the Preakness horse. That was a practical move. I apologize. Uh, National Treasure. Oh, yeah, National Treasure won the uh, won the Preakness. Excuse me. I'm, I'm doing this correct. Yes. Uh, under John Velasquez. Picks up Flavian Pratt for the mount here who was on him in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Man, got nosed out at the end by Cody's Wish, who ended up being the National Horse of the Year. So if you wanted to lean on a horse for that, you would lean on National Treasure. Here's the difficult part for him. He's over 2 at the distance. And we're he's going to try to get the lead. There's going to be other horses who are going to press him on the lead. I think, for example, the 12-horse Skippy Longstocking, and yes, Zach, that is the name of a horse, is getting back to Gulfstream Park. I think has a really serious shot tomorrow with Tyler Gaffalion in the, the Irons. Before he moved to Churchill, I don't know if people know, he was he was a superstar in the non-championship meet down at Gulfstream Park. He was the go-to guy. That's now like an Edgar Zayas or other guys that are down there. But he's aboard uh, Skippy Longstopping. He had a chance to be aboard another horse, O'Connor. It's a Chilean bred, believe it or not, who won the Harlan Handy last out. Grade three, just a half a furlong shorter at Gulfstream Park. Same course, essentially. And is deciding to run Skippy Longstopping despite the post position in 12. I'm hoping there's a scratch or two inside so the horse moves in a little bit, but the horse ran really, really well in that Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Finished right behind National Treasure in third place. I think the mile and an eighth being back in South Florida, Safi Joseph trains, this is where he makes his hay. This is the kind of horse. Eight to one for Skippy Longstocking, the 12 on the outside, is going to be my play in that game. Brad Cox has first mission in here, nosed out in um in the Clark, last out at Churchill Downs in November, gets back to the mile and an eighth. They've been training him at the fairgrounds, so he's at least in warmer weather than he would be up here growing that winter coat, so they've kept him away from that as well. Interested to see if Louis Saez can get it done in the race as well. He'll be 7-2. to two. Again, I'm going to try to fade the favorite here, the Baffert Train National Treasure with Flavian Pratt. At my own risk, by the way, Baffert only wins 28% of his graded stakes, which is, of course, an insane number. I love a horse to hit the board here, so if you're looking for someone to fill out your exact as your trifectas in that 
uh, that Pegasus World Cup tomorrow. Again, race 13, last race of the day at Gulfstream Park. I think the one Nimitz class has a real shot here. Trained by George Weaver, who when horses get shifted to his barn, does a great job with them right away. Puts them in good spots. This horse has largely been running at a mile, a mile 70, a mile and an eighth, once in a while. Um, ran really, really well at a mile and an eighth before uh, under Havion Toledo in a in a stakes at Laurel. I think he's fast enough to pick up the pieces here and be part of the equation at the end of the race. I think he's the kind of horse that you could see in an exacta or a trifecta, something like that. O'Connor is in the two hole here has won two straight won that Harlan handy. It wasn't very fast, so he's going to have more pace to have to deal with in this race, but he's willing to come from off of it. And I do wonder Paco Lopez, who by the way, unbelievable start to his, his meet for the championship meet there at Gulfstream Park. He's winning 24% of his mounts, 47 for 195 already, hitting the board in a solid 45 of those as well. I think he's got a real shot too, uh, to at least hit the board here. Um, I, I can't imagine otherwise why they're running this horse. He's never going to breed. He's a seven-year-old uh, Chilean bred, like I mentioned. Uh, the, the, the breeding, you just you don't know anything about. And so interested to see him run in this one. Dynamic one is 15 to one here for Todd Pletcher, Irad Ortiz. If you get double digits on those two dudes at Gulfstream Park, don't you just have to take it? <laughs> it's kind of an interesting one. They tried him in the Jockey Club. They brought him back in a mile race over that shoot to try to get him just to get his legs back underneath him. And so I'm interested to see if uh, he's ready to go for that one. But he did win the Suburban uh, in July at Belmont, going a mile and a quarter. So we go a mile and an eighth here where he is three for five. And his two losses were second-place finishes. So could he be the one that picks up the pieces tomorrow in that race? I'm not sure, but it'll be fun to watch for sure. There are a couple of favorites on that card as part of that late sequence that I wanted to go over as well. Because if you're going to make money tomorrow... By the way, Zach, I'm usually not a pick-four player at Gulfstream Park because of the takeout. But they're guaranteeing $750,000 in the pool. That can overcome a lot of the takeout. It can overcome a lot of other things. And so let's look at race 10 for that purpose. And this is the Philly and Mayor uh, turf uh, invitational here, mile and a 16th on the turf. And you're going to have a big favorite in here shipping in from overseas. And that is um, to do to do. Oh, no, she's in the 11th race. Excuse uh, the 12th race. Excuse me. She's in the big boy race. But starting in that 10th race, I'll go back. I apologize for that. Um, let me actually look at my notes. That might be pretty damned helpful. Uh, I'll lean on the nine horse here. I think Didia is the best North American-based female turf horse going right now. Uh, did not show up great in the B- in the Philly Mare turf uh, out there, out west, but that was dominated by European horses in the uh, Breeders' Cup. Vincent Cheminot not shipping in. I don't love that, but Jose Ortiz does know the course. He's very good that way. He and Nacho Correa will be fine. Uh, that way, this horse likes to close, so she'll have something to run at in this spot. Six to one is a really, really good number. I'll lean on Didia in this spot. I'll go to the seven next. Fluffy Socks, Irad Ortiz, Chad Brown. This horse just doesn't win. I hate it. But, man, at some point, she's going to break through and win one of these things. Almost won the Matriarch last out at Del Mar in that grade one under Irad. Keeps Irad in the mount here. I think it's telling that he has decided to stay aboard this one as well. The four horse here is going to be Star Fortress. Louis Saez, Cherie DeVoe ran a huge Cardinal up here in November. I don't know if people were out there. It was Thanksgiving week. Won by 10 lengths. And whenever you see a horse in person win by 10 lengths, it's hard to erase them from your memory. She'll be 5-2 to two on the morning line. I think that's one you try to beat, by the way. I think that's the kind of horse that you don't trust in this part of the sequence. Uh, you try to beat a 4. I'm probably going to have to, unfortunately, end up using her in the pick 4. But it's the kind of horse you try to beat. I'm really interested in Ruby now. You get Frankie DeTore, one of the best turf riders in the world. Um, Richard Mandela trains. They're shipping in from California. Weather won't be an issue going from L.A. to Miami. His horses win back-to-back races if they won the previous race at 26%. It's an incredibly high number. Uh, Mandela, just a fantastic turf trainer at 26%. And his recency in stakes has been incredible. He's winning about a third of them the last year. That's a really, really remarkable number. He and Frankie don't connect very well on horses, but she has won three of four. Um, she was uh, fifth in that matriarch, but only by two lengths. It was a really, really interesting finish. That was surge capacity. Uh, that was... Um, uh, fluffy socks and a uh, beautiful. Uh, oh my gosh, what is that horse's name? 
I'm forgetting who the third place horse was, but essentially five or six of them came across the line at the same time. Ruby Nell was one of those at eight to one. I think that number is really, really good. Let's move on to race 11. Uh, race 11 is the grade three Fred Hooper. It's a one mile race over the one turn and Hijazi's in here. Zach, this is another one of those horses. Eight to five, Flavia Pratt gets them out for Bob Baffert. Could he win here? I think he absolutely can. I'm going to try to beat him in this spot with a creative. That's the eight horse, five to one. I read Ortiz, Chad Brown. Horse did not run well in the cigar mile in the mud. I'm going to draw a line through that. We're going to get away from the mud this weekend. Ran really well in the 49er at Aqueduct over a mile. Has good record, good speed at the mile distance. Going to try to use him. I read at this point uh, kind of a home jock in this case. I will use Hijazi in my longer tickets because... I think he's probably the fastest of these horses. He gets the rail, Zach, which means they're going to have to go to not get stuck and do a bunch of work to get out of there. Um, this is a a 12-horse field. His largest field ever was 10, and he finished last. <laughs> Hijazi took a while to finish the uh, figure these things out. Once he did, uh, he was considerably better as a three-year-old late in the year, almost won the Malibu behind Speedboat Beach was never going to catch that horse, and so I'm not going to hold that against him either. Finally, the 12th race is that uh, the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational. Uh, we're going for a million bucks here. Mile and an eighth on the turf course there at Gulfstream Park. Man, this is another one with a bunch of really good horses in it. The shipper is Warm Heart, who came in, and I. this is where you have to make a decision. If you're going to use her at all as part of your tickets, I think you have to single the nine. Warm Heart, Ryan Moore flying in from Europe, Aiden O'Brien flying this one in from a Hong Kong race at Shot 10, uh, where she ran for a huge purse at a mile and a half. She gets to cut back to a mile and an eighth. Did run in the Philly and Mare turf in the grade one. Lost by a neck to Inspiral. One of the best races. Moriwa was right there as well uh, when we were out in L.A. covering the Breeders' Cup. Just a fantastic race. Did win a, a group one before that at Longchamp. And then before that, a grade one as well in York. Getting back to facing uh, the, the, the Phillies here. Ran against the boys last time. I think that's a big advantage for her. I'm going to single warm heart here. So the nine in race 12 tomorrow, I think, is part of that. It's going to hurt the payouts because I think a lot of people are going to do that. If you wanted to go another way, web slingers in here, the five. That horse won three times, hit the board eight times in nine runs, has won at Gulfstream Park before. 15 to one for local jock Edgar Zayas and Mark Cassie, who has been training pretty darn well down there. 18% during the championship meet at, uh, at Gulfstream Park. This horse ran last in the Hollywood Derby beginning of December at Del Mar, finished second under Tyler Gaffalione. I actually like the move to Edgar Zayas here just because he is a local guy. We'll know when, it, we'll know when it's time to go. She's going to walk, or excuse me, he is going to walk out of the gate, this four-year-old, his first race as a four-year-old, um, and then have to do all of his work later on. I trust Edgar Zayas, a local jock, to get that done. He'll be the five horse uh, tomorrow at Gulfstream Park in race 12. And then a, a, integration, is is the three horse here? This is a Shug McGahee, Tyler Gaffalion combination. They're not great together. It's wait. It's one of the, it's one of the the few spots where Tyler doesn't have a good combination with a trainer. It happens to be Shug, which is funny. This horse is coming out of a Grade Two win by five lengths in November at Aqueduct over a firm go at this distance, two for two at the distance. Could this be the coming out party for this horse in a million dollar race? Seven hundred thousand dollar purchase in twenty twenty one. For this ownership group at West Point Thoroughbreds, interested to see if she's got it ready to go for this. Uh, did run last year and is three for three lifetime in those three runs. Uh, he is and will run uh, tomorrow in that race as well. So I think you have to either lean on the nine or or include the three as well, I guess. But man, I think you're really going to be cutting in if you use the nine at all. Web Slinger, like I said, will be my long shot in that race as well. All right, uh, Texter Louie, what's your uh, favorite horse racing movie? Uh, mine is Hot to Trot. Uh, I don't like horse racing movies. Um, texture, uh, wait, dumb question. Do male and female horses compete together? Uh, if so, Republicans are going to try to ban it. That's a good joke. All right, so um, there are two kinds of races in horse racing, Zach, as far as the, the sexes of the horse are concerned. There are filly and mare-only races, and then there is everything else. So either you have a female horse and you run her against females, or you have any horse and you run them against any other competition. So in the Kentucky Derby, uh, Phillies can run, three-year-old Phillies. The only restriction in the Kentucky Derby is that you have to be a three-year-old. For the Kentucky Oaks, you have to be a three-year-old Philly. So um, that is that is the difference. So there are only two types of races in horse racing, those just for Phillies and mares and those 
um, for all types of horses. I had to explain this. I used to uh, teach foreign language, Zach. And you know how I, I imagine, since you are a 30-year-old man who grew up in Ohio, you studied Spanish. Is that fair? You are nodding. Okay. Do you know there are actually not two genders in Spanish, in my opinion? At least if you want to learn the language, there's only one. That's right. It's it's feminine uh-huh. and everything else. Correct. Right? So if you group things together, they're like, oh, if you make groups, it becomes masculine. No. Things are either feminine or they're not. Correct. That's how the romance languages work. They're feminine or they're not. In horse racing, the races are feminine or they're not. Mm-hmm. That's how I think about them. What's your stupid horse racing question? I, we got a sounder for this. Let's go. Louis into horse racing. Zach, well, isn't. It's time for Zach's stupid horse racing question here on Rabo and Co. All right, so this week's stupid horse racing question, what is a lug-in? Because they always talk about those during the race or whatever, and usually I, I've tended to notice that it's probably not a good thing. So what actually is it? <laughs> what do you think it is? I'm actually interested. Uh, it's somebody that might have been out in front and then faded back. Okay, so that's a good guess. I that's Man, that's a good guess. What it is is, um, so horses, when they train, tend to train, tend when they get next to the rail, okay, so the inside of the track, there is a rail on the outside as well, but we're talking about the inside of the track. They know that's when it's time to go because if they get next to the rail, it means it's the end of the race, okay? Correct. When a horse gets around the final turn of a race, so in, in one-turn races, that's just one turn. When they get around the second turn of a two-turn race, they know, okay? Lugging in is when you are in, let's say, so there are different paths on the racetrack that are the width of a horse, okay? So let's say you're in the three-path. Zach, you're, th- you're three horse bodies away from the rail, okay? okay? If you shift toward the rail, that's lugging in. And lugging in can cause you to foul another horse and lose your position. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's very common for horses coming off of the turn. If you just think about yourself, if you're on a track and you turn a corner, your momentum is moving left, right? If you're running clo- er, counterclockwise, right? Like our horses are. Mm-hmm. Horses do the same thing. Right. They just kind of lug in. They 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 move toward the rail. And so in that case, that is what uh, lugging in is. Let me get to some more text here. Um, dumb horse racing question. Why do they need uh, horses to jog alongside uh, the race horses before and after races? Why are there ponies? That's interesting. Uh, largely, the pony exists um, because it's a training measure. It keeps the horses calm. And if you give them the horse, if you give the horse the same, um, essentially the same repetition over and over again think of them like any other athlete right i mean lebron james does the uh the baby powder every game That's right it. yep horses if you if you lead them out to their races the exact same way every time you're more likely to get a consistent result and that's what that is so essentially the pony thing by the way you'll notice some horses they walk out with the pony and then they they ditch the pony because they don't need it other horses really need it uh, Hmm. as well we'll close this with this one texter what if the horse identifies as female we'll talk about that next here rabo and co espn 680 1057 yeah yeah you know technically i'm not even really supposed to be here right now Okay. Might as well make the most of it. Feels good. Guess I'm lucky. Some of us don't get a second chance. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. Alright, welcome back in. Final. I mean, final hour, final half hour. How about that here? Rabo and Co. ESPN 680-1057. Louis Rabo, Zach Cantrell, hanging out with you. Bobby V after us. Fast break Friday, of course, at noon. And then at 3 o'clock, you get the roundtable. 5.30, they'll have that mixtape for you as well as part of their coverage. Real quick, um, there is a cool set of races at Laurel Park tomorrow. If anyone is interested, and I'll tweet it out tomorrow, I'm going to have a sequence for both. Uh, the Pegasus Day at Gulfstream Park, and I'm going to have a late sequence uh, for the uh, for Preakness Day, Preakness Preview Day, excuse me, uh, at Laurel Park tomorrow. They run the spectacular bid on the boys' side, and the girls' race is called the Extra Heat. So there you go. Uh, we'll get into those races. There's an awesome uh, optional claimer tomorrow at, at uh, Laurel Park. If I say the name Messier, do you know what Messier is? Mark? Yeah, there you go. So uh, we got... Uh, we got Dan Elman all worked up last night because he's a Manhattan guy. He got all excited that there's a horse named Man- uh, Messi, and he said, I hope he shoots and scores. So That's right. Go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, some uh, of the texters get some help. Just saying. <laughs> oh, what are you getting now? 
Oh, the uh, one guy was like, uh, just there's a whole long thread. It's like, I'm sorry that happened to you, or I'm happy for you. I ain't reading all that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Get some help, dude. Got it. Um, yeah. Got it. Oh, geez, Pete's wow. All right, a lot of a uh, lot of help there. All right, uh, let's get into the NFL. Um, it is conference championship weekend. Yes, it is. Um, which which game would you like to talk about first, Zach? I, we lean into you for our NFL uh, our NFL coverage well, on this show. The bigger game is the AFC. I don't game. disagree with you. All right, so let's let's do this first because I want to talk about this game in a very specific way. We can pr- we can talk a lot about the NFL. We can talk a lot about a ton of things around football. At the end of the day, what we talk about in the NFL is quarterbacks. And we've got two guys in this game who are at very different points in what they've done in their careers. Now, they're both excellent, but they have done very different things. And Pat Mahomes is starting to eke into that territory where all of us go, is, is he the GOAT? Is he one of these guys? Is he going to be the GOAT? Is he one of those? And, to, and Sunday's about building that reputation for him, yes? That's right. Right? But on the other side, you have Lamar. So let's start with Lamar just because... Because I think we know what what's at stake for Mahomes. I think we understand it. I think so. If he wins the Super Bowl this year, is that good God? I mean, then we're already talking about I mean, him in the all time. I mean, we're, we're, t- I think we are already, but it's a it becomes a it legitimizes all of the arguments. Period. Conversation over. Okay, but Lamar is in an interesting spot because what I liked the other day, if you're if you're a person who's thinking about Lamar's legacy and how people analyze it. There was no overreaction to beating Houston. And I thought that was very good for Lamar Jackson because there's a ton of talk. Now, on this show, we talk about must-don't-lose games. Yes. Houston was a must-don't-lose yeah, for yeah. his for his reputation. That's right. Let's say that. Doesn't really change it for the better. It just doesn't make it worse. Does Lamar have to win on Sunday to move his reputation or was the Houston win enough? My sense is it wasn't. It wasn't enough. The Houston now, so game that's interesting. Change. Without so playoff Lamar, yeah. Without him playing in the playoffs before the Houston game, that narrative had obviously shifted for people in their heads. One game wasn't enough. He needs to get to a Super Bowl. Is that fair? Yeah. Does he need to win a Super Bowl at this point in his career to advance the 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 rhetoric about him? My sense is he does. Depends on what you want to advance the rhetoric as, like, because I think if he wins this game, that cements him as at least the second best, as probably the second or third best quarterback, depending on what conversation you want to have with Joe Burrow. If he wins the Super Bowl, then yes, he's number two. There's no question. That's about what it. I'm getting at. So if we're talking about quarterback tiers within the NFL, Mahomes is in a tier, and then we move on. Yes, we agree. Yeah. Okay. That's where we're at right now. Yes. Who's in that next tier? Lamar's in the next tier, yes, yes already, yes. right? Yes, he is. But he has a chance to be at the top of that tier. He is at the top of the tier if he wins this game. I think, that's, I think you and I agree on that. Yeah. What do you think happens in this game, and what, what does each team essentially have to do for them to win the game? Well, I think the biggest thing for Kansas City to win this game, you're going to need Travis Kelsey to show up again. He had two touchdowns last week. They're going to have to run the ball. Isaiah Pacheco had a good day running the ball. But the guy's really stepped up as Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You know, he's been kind of dumped out of town a couple of times, but... He, he's been fantastic in this postseason. The Chiefs' offensive line has to protect because the Ravens get after the quarterback better than any team in football. And as we know, if Patrick Mahomes is a clean pocket, he's absolutely deadly, but he's also deadly when you blitz him. So the Ravens are going to be quite in the defensive conundrum because your tendency is you want to blitz Patrick Mahomes. He is the best quarterback in the league against the blitz. So I don't know if I would do that as often as I typically would against what do you just think, about anybody What do you else. think the Ravens will try to do against him? Are, I, they, gonna, are they just going to say... You're not you're not getting to Kelsey, which is easier said than done, of course. Yeah, you're you're not going to run Pacheco. Easier said than done. Uh, we're going to contain you from the edges. I, who was was it? Oh, it was Polian, right? That was saying essentially keep Lamar in a tight pocket, Correct. right? Yes. Which is antiquated analysis of Lamar Jackson yeah, he because he was great. Three years. This, he's been great in tight pockets this year, I and mean, he just right. has. Yeah. Um, what do you think they try to do on defense on the Baltimore side? Uh, pray. 
that's usually what you, uh, but I think what they're going to do is they're going to double team Travis Kelsey. I think they're going to force him to go to MVS. I think they're going to force him to go to, you know, Justin Watts and go to all of his other receivers who've been pretty unreliable for the most part this year. And I think what they're going to try and do as well is they're going to try to keep him in the pocket. Mahomes is a great pocket passer, but we saw last week he had a couple of big scrambles and when he gets out on the run, he just becomes unstoppable. Mahomes is the, the guy that you never think as a run threat, but yeah. then every and big then he game is. he seems to have a right. twenty yard run. He turns into Josh Allen for that's like right. five plays. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah, no, that's right. It's interesting too. I because in the NFL, less than college, it's not like you try to take one thing away and then say beat me another way, because it just doesn't work in the NFL, right? I mean, you can't taking things away feels more like it's a college thing at this point than an NFL. It thing. is. It may have been a decade ago. Like, you're not going to run the ball up the middle of this game. We're going to force you to do yeah, something Belichick else, whatever. Yeah, used to do that better than anybody. I think that's right. But it seems to have largely gone away. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you're you not really – that's not the philosophy. Especially against, say, like an Andy Reid or something where he'll just adjust and make yeah, a different he'll fix, yeah, If right. you're double-teaming Travis yeah, Kelsey, he's right. still going to scheme up ways to get him open. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so uh, on the KC side, what do you think they'll do on defense? Because last game, I thought outside of the, the Allen runs – their game plan was really good, but I don't know that you game plan for Allen runs. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't. He's just able to do it, right? And so, no, you game plan for Lamar runs. Obviously, that's the difference, right? Yep. So that's part of the defensive game plan for KC, right? Yeah. Okay. How do how do you do that? Well, you got to have a spy on it. It is that's a spy, the first right? Thing you do they do. have a guy good enough for that? They've got a couple of quick linebackers. Who are they? Nick Bolton is probably the most popular name as far as he's probably. I think the guy Nick is probably him. the guy. Yes, yeah, right. that would be the guy that I would assume would be the spy for Lamar Jackson. I think. The biggest thing they're going to have to do is make sure that he doesn't scramble because on broken down plays, Lamar's as good as any quarterback in the league. I think they're going to try to keep him in the pocket. I know it's an antiquated thought, but I would take my chances on Lamar in the pocket as opposed to, you know, maybe if he you keep him in the pocket, he might make a mistake. If you get him outside and he's running against your defense, he's faster than just about all of your defensive backs, and especially he's faster than all your linebackers, so you've got no chance of keeping up with him. So it's kind of pick your poison with Lamar, but that's how good of a pocket passer he's been. Is No matter what you do at this point, yeah. it's probably the wrong option, but yeah. you've got to pick the one that's the least wrong. And <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I get it. are those Baltimore receivers, Zay Flowers has been good, Odell Beckham's been good, but... Are any of them superstars or any of them guys you look at and say, that guy's having seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown today? I don't think they are. Would you they have, can be. Would you have before the season, um, text or texting in that they would choose uh, Usain Bolt to uh, spy Lamar? That's a good choice. Yeah, um, I would too. <laughs> what, I mean, can Usain tackle, though? I before, don't know. The, before the season, yeah. would you have had OBJ or Zane Flowers with more, with more yards? I would have said Oda Beckham. What Flowers is doing is impressive, yes? Yeah. I, I know he's on an excellent team, and he's got Lamar throwing him the ball. But 77 catches out of Boston College, dude? Yeah. That's legit, right? <laughs> I mean, I know like a Travis... I, I know like Kelsey's got like 90, right? Whatever. I get yeah. it. But like a rookie... Dude, I, I don't know. I'm so impressed with him. I think he's oh, so Oh, Zay good. Flowers is he's very good. So he's going to be a great receiver. He already kind of is. And if they get – it sounds like they are getting Mark Andrews back. Boy, that's a big help for them. And Isaiah Likely's really stepped up as a tight end as well. So you got your double tight ends. And now if you're Lamar, you've got your security blanket for third and six. That's Mark Andrews. Uh, looking like uh, not warm and probably going to need your rain jacket on Sunday. Does that affect either team more? No, I don't think so. I agree with you. They both played crappy, crappy weather to get to this point. Baltimore minus four. What's your uh, What's your prediction there? Boy, uh, my sense is my sense is knowing you. Yeah, four is pretty much exactly what you think. That's what I think. Okay, yeah, right. You think this is 27, 23, 31, 27, that's 30 exactly to 24. Right. That's exactly that right. kind of game. Yeah, okay. my pick is 31, 27. There it is. <laughs> you and I I'm hang not, out too much. Boy. Are you impressed that I came up with that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it feels wrong to pick against Patrick Mahomes in the postseason because I did it last week and I felt dumb for doing it. 
well, I'm going to go ahead and do it again because I think the Ravens are just the better team. And sure. I think Lamar is playing well enough that even if Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, I think Lamar is playing at that high of a level right now. I think they've got more options as far as running the football is concerned. I think they've got more outs, and especially defensively with Kyle Hamilton and Roquan Smith and all the guys they've got, that defense just takes Dude, it up to a whole Smith other level. So they're going to make, they're going to get a couple of turnovers, I think, in this game. I think the Ravens are just the better team, and it's at home. I'm, I'm going to take Baltimore. You know, it's interesting. So, so, uh, text or text in 4379680, UPS Jobs Text Line. Thanks for texting in. This is ESPN 680 Louis Rabot, we got you for about another 20 minutes. And yes, I know I need to do a DraftKings read, and yes, I know we need to go to break. Text or text in, is this OBJ's best season in the last seven years? And, and I want to say something about that. The answer is yes. The other part of this is, this week I've talked about how I think the Lions need to capitalize this season. This is their chance to make a run at the Super Bowl. I don't feel that way about the Ravens, even with a guy like OBJ having his best season in a half decade or so. I think he's more a product of what they've built in Baltimore as far as a culture and a system, etc. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not trying to put down OBJ and his work ethic or anything like that this season. Right. But I think he's the beneficiary of a very solid base in Baltimore more than he is, yeah. say, outperforming what he's capable of or something like that. So, no, I think that's the difference there. So I wanted to just answer that as well. Uh, Delvin Cook, uh, don't you, forget about him coming out of yeah. Texas. Could not agree more. Yeah. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, is he going to play? He's not playing. Okay, he's out. Okay, there you go. Um, you got the Ravens too? I do not. I have the Chiefs winning. Okay. Um, and it's, it is it is purely Mahomes. a Mahomes thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good reason to just pick the Chiefs is because they got Mahomes. <sighs> I th- which I oh, let's I'm we're, just we're, we're going to do this real quick. Yeah. It sets up it looks like a classic game. Yeah. I think we get a classic game. I really do too. Let's go through the four scenarios. Blowouts on either side, close game on either side. Which ones we think can happen? Can the Ravens blow them out? Yeah. I think they can too. I think the world exists. Can the Ravens win close? Yes. Can the can the Chiefs win close? Yes. Can the Chiefs blow them out? That's the no. least likely to me. But if the Chiefs won 31-17, would no, you be that would stunned? Not no. There you go. I, I, I think we're going in. I think it's going to be a classic game, but I also don't know how it's Everything going to go. is available. Everything's on the table for that That's game. That's what yes? makes this so much fun. And I awesome. think we've said this before a couple of times this week. I think we both are in agreement about this. Whoever wins this game is going to win the Super Bowl. Feels or they're that, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. They're at least the favorite, and it does feel the way that you're talking that you know who comes out of this game is going to be the one uh, that wins the Super Bowl. Speaking of these games, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, hey, they're bringing you something that's going to make your playoffs electrifying. New customers, bet 5 bucks on any game, get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Two games this weekend, man, tons, tons of great options on the college basketball side as well. Plus, everyone gets a no-sweat same-game parlay for every playoff game day. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that code WHBE. New customers, you can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code WHBE. The crown is Yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS. Physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Opt-in required one no-sweat token issued per eligible day after opt-in. No-sweat bonus bet issued based on your amount of losing qualifying bet. Eligibility, max reward limits, and deposit restrictions do apply. Terms at draft at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. On the other end, 49ers and Lions. And we'll get you into your weekend here on Rabo Co. ESPN 680-1057. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. Ah, uh, just a cornucopia of great music that is Rabo and Co. here, ESPN 680-1057. Alongside Zach Cantrell, Louis Rabo, hanging out with you. Got you about another 15 minutes. Fast break Friday, Bobby V after us, and of course, Roundtable. Got you with the mixtape at 5.30 here on 680-1057. Make sure that you check out all of that programming here today as we get you into the weekend. Final game on the NFL slate is the uh, Lions and the 49ers. A reminder, we'll have all those games for you here as part of our programming this weekend, Sunday. 1.30 over on 93.9. We'll start the coverage for the Louisville women's basketball game versus Pittsburgh. They'll go till about 4, 4.30, and then we'll pick up at 
430 on 93.9. We'll start at 2 o'clock, an hour of pregame ahead of Ravens Chiefs. We'll have Lions 49s for you as well on all stations. So if you are driving around at all on Sunday, want to keep up on those games ahead of the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks, make sure that you do that as well. Victory Formation Show tomorrow. Uh, they'll be on a little bit early ahead of the pregame show for Louisville basketball on 93.9 Sunday morning hangover in this slot on 680-1057. Nick Curran. Phil Baker, and of course, the handsome one, Zach Cantrell. <laughs> so there you go. All right, so uh, Lions. You're damn right. And 49ers. Yeah. Obviously, this is a very personal game for me as a fan. And it's a... <clears throat> so I was thinking about this, Zach. I don't know if other fans... Do you, do you have a team in your life, Zach, mm-hmm. that is like the Detroit Lions for me? The Blue Jackets. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. Interesting. The The only difference I think there, Zach, is my grandparents told me about Lions success. Yeah. And your dad can't tell you about Blue Jackets Yeah, success, I was seven right? years old when the Blue Jackets were Right. And they, have they made the playoffs? Yeah, they've made it a couple times. A they couple actually, times, yeah. remember the Tampa Bay Lightning when they won back-to-back Stanley Cups? I do. The year before, they had the best record in the NHL, and the Blue Jackets swept them out of the playoffs. Got it. Okay. And That's so, the highlight of yeah, yeah. Blue Jackets fans. Um, and so my entire life... There's been Barry Sanders. There's been Calvin Johnson. There's been other guys. There's been a bunch, frankly, a bunch of really interesting and fun guys to watch. Yeah, we have Rick Nash and Nick Foligno. Right. But they've been bad. And they've been bad my almost my entire life. Yeah. And even with those great players, they weren't able to do it. I, I, I'm so excited to just sit down on Sunday with my son and watch this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those where I don't, I don't have to think about what I'm going to say in this chair. I don't have to worry about a show sheet. I just get to sit down and watch the game, mm-hmm. and and I, I I wish it were in Detroit. I do, but they sold out Ford Field for a watch party. Oh yeah, that and, and just to just to give people an idea of, of how crazed it is up there, you know, Jay coming on yesterday and telling us it, there was more of a celebration for beating the Bucks than getting that first win. Really, I would have gotten that totally wrong. Yeah, same. I would have gotten that totally wrong. Because you get the monkey off your back. Beating the bus Absolutely. is great. But, yeah. and, I, and I want to be really clear about something. When I said this week that the Lions need to win it this year, I'm not backing off of that. My expectation is them, for them to go to San Francisco and win on Sunday. Now, if I'm sitting in the analyst chair, I think the 49ers win. I think it's an ugly game. I think they muck it up. I think it's like 27-22, something like that. But this is this is a no excuses game for the Lions. They have a good team. They have a good quarterback. Yep. They have two of the best coordinators in the league. Yep. This is a no excuses game for the Lions. I don't want to hear about it. And so while I think the 49ers are more likely to win, there's no excuse for the Detroit Lions not to go out and not just be competitive, but win the damn game. Zach, how do you analyze so this? So who takes advantage of the other's weakness? I think is the big thing. The 49ers... Ranked 25th in rushing yards allowed and 28th in yards per carry allowed since week 15. Now they're going up against David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, and that one-two tandem has been terrific in this postseason. Terrific, really, all season long. But on the other side of the coin, the Lions have the worst unit left in the playoffs is the Lions secondary. They're 30th in the league in passing yards and allowed. And so I want to see if Brock Purdy bounces back. He didn't play very well last week, but he did orchestrate a game-winning drive. If Debo Samuel doesn't play... That is the big X factor in this game because then that's going to force them to put more pressure on Christian McCaffrey, which if the Lions know that McCaffrey's going to show up and going to come every uh, every play, that's much easier to stop. But it's also going to put more pressure on Jawan Jennings and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and everybody else. Debo Samuel not playing is going to be a big factor in this game. It sounds like he's going to play. Okay. Now, he's missed practice much of the week but I would be surprised if he's not out there because you know anytime that it's a conference championship game if the guy can walk he's probably going to play so my guess is that he does but I think that's the whole key is who can take advantage of the other's weakness in a bigger way can the Lions run the ball against that San Francisco defense or will Brock Purdy be able to take advantage of that Lions secondary I think that's going to hold ultimately the key to this game but the one thing we know is Christian McCaffrey is going to do something. The Lions, in the two playoff games that they've had, they've averaged giving up eight yards per play and 7.7 yards per play. Their defense has not been all that great nope. in this postseason. <laughs> and now not. you're going up against the best offense you've played all postseason with as many weapons as any team has in the NFL. Well, there you go. Um, what do you think the final score is? Well, the 49ers have actually failed to cover their last six home games. The 49ers <laughs> are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. The Lions are seven-and-a-half? Yeah. The Lions are 
by the way, oh, you're right. God, thirty six and seven, six. 36 and seventeen against the spread under Dan Campbell, best record in the NFL over that time. So I'm going to play both sides here. Okay, I'm going to say the Lions cover win, the, the 49ers cover. win. I think the 49ers just have more ways to beat you than the Lions do. I think they've got more aces in the hole. I think they've got more weapons, and they're playing at home. I think their defense will come up with one stand, just like kind of what they did last week. You know, the Packers outplayed them for much of the game, but the 49ers defense showed up and won the game in the fourth quarter. I think it's a 24 to 20 San Francisco win. I have it. I'm going to stay with 27 22. Um, by the way, over under is right at fifty one, so like at forty nine er. I heard it too. I, I, I heard it. I heard it. Texture. I heard it. You can just put on the mixtape. Just, just do that. Yeah, uh, texture. Is it? About. Is it just me or the forty nine ers? Kind of boring. I find nothing about them interesting. Sometimes good football teams are. <laughs> Sometimes the very best football teams are just formulaic. Uh, I don't. There was nothing exciting about Michigan this year. They just won a national title, right? I mean, I, like I'm not picking on them at all. Like they were boring. They were just formula. How many of the Alabama teams were actually under Saban were actually exciting? Not many. They just push you around. Let's call football. Hey, yeah, football. Football. Yeah, football Friday. A little football Friday. Nothing. All right. <laughs> just throw things at Zach for no reason. <laughs> football Friday. You bet your ass it is. Football I, um, Friday. <laughs> just in case you were wondering. Just in case, y'all. All right, so we uh, you have both home teams winning. I have Chiefs 49ers in the Super Bowl. You have uh, Ravens 49ers, Ravens in, the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Either um, way, it's a rematch. In either way, are we excited about the game? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no question. I don't think there's a bad matchup. I think the least appeal... Oh, the storyline... The, the least appeal would be what? Detroit what? Baltimore. Okay. Because Baltimore killed them during the regular season. That's 38-6. And yep. I, I think that if we're looking for one of those four games where it just turns into a blowout of a Super Bowl, it would be that I could absolutely see the Got Ravens it. just doing that again. Okay. Maybe not sense. to that level. But. Sure. No, I understand. That makes sense. But you still at least have the Detroit storyline. Yes. First, first Super Bowl ever. Dan Campbell. People love Dan Campbell, dude. Sure. It's amazing how much people love him. Well, Dan how about, Campbell. what, three years ago? I think they said three years ago on this day, like, Jamel Hill was like, oh, they only hired Dan Campbell because he's white. And Dan Campbell turned out to be, you know, he's turned the Lions into a Super Bowl contender. So, Jamel Hill, once again, wrong. Do you know the there. wild thing about her? I went to college with her. Uh, my condolences. She wasn't like that, man. And I do wonder how really? much Really? What happened? I, I think she started getting paid for it. So it's a performance. Yeah, I wonder if it's a performance. I think it is. I've never thought she was authentic in any way. <sighs> she used to be. She she was she's really bright. She baits more than I know. I agree. Most I know. Yeah. I know. It's just no, no. I don't. I don't. Not I don't subscribe. About that. I don't subscribe to most of what she says, but I do. I just remember her not being like that when we were in college. Yeah, and the know. shame was like when she started at ESPN. Jamel Hill was actually an insightful person and her writing was actually good there's still the great moment there's still the great moment of uh ns saying he would eat a live animal if nc state makes the playoffs yep and they highlighted her when she and uh oh what was his name that she coasted uh sports center michael smith smith that's what it was and michael johnson in my head for no reason now he was a runner yes right (laughs) no i know and i knew it wasn't that guy uh and so that's why i waited for you to say smith but yeah um i don't i don't know what happened to her but yeah i i all right so you're baltimore 49ers so you're you're boring here Rematch one seeds. Yeah, well, and then um, rematch the Super Bowl forty seven. And then I've got the Chiefs and the 49ers in the uh, Super Bowl. Rematch the Super Bowl fifty four. There you go. The <sighs> Lions are the most interesting of these four teams, I would say. For what reason? Like the Campbell factor and yeah, the, the lack and the of fact Super Bowl. They've never and, won before, yeah. and I mean, look, the Ravens have won a couple. The Chiefs are a potential dynasty. They're kind of a dynasty right now, and the 49ers historically have always been great. So, the Lions are the most fascinating team left. Serious question. Mm-hmm. And, and and this isn't a feasible thing for me to have done. But am I a bad person that I have family in San Francisco who are also Lions fans and I didn't travel for this game? No. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> did you think about it? Yeah. Because you could, I, I mean, I could go to this game, ticket, flights, stay with family, thousand bucks. Yeah. Am I a bad person for not going? No. Okay. Now, if let me ask you this. <laughs> okay. If the Lions go to the Super Bowl, are you going? Uh, the problem is, and I'm being very serious, the Super Bowl already is the Super Bowl cost. True. So it's what, four or five grand to go to the Super Bowl, right? Don't we think a Vegas Super Bowl is going to be like nine ten? Yeah. I mean, that's the real issue is like, do I want to pay my mortgage for a year or do I want to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, but what, 
this might be once in a lifetime for you. Yeah. If the Lions go yeah. to the Super Bowl. This I, is a day I that think I would, would have officially frozen I over. Thi- I understand. I think I would be more likely to take a quick flight on Saturday to Detroit and take the game in with friends. That would make sense, too. That would be fun. Rather than, and do like the Detroit, like be in Detroit for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they would have like, a watch party, guaranteed. Oh, a billion of them. Oh, yeah. I'd, I've had, I'd have a pick of, of the town, frankly. Yeah. Um, oh, you should do that. That would be fun, I think. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of thing where... It'll be the biggest day in the history of Detroit. Not even close. Sports-wise, man, it's hard sports-wise. to describe. Yeah. What's I remember, bigger than the Tigers. So I got a buddy. Yeah, it is. I got a buddy, Jim, who's my, my, my best friend from childhood, his dad. And I remember one time, I was home from college, we were talking about Detroit sports, and this was when the Pistons were on their runs, or starting their runs in the 2000s. And he said, yeah, you know, the Red Wings, that's fun, and it's nice that everybody comes downtown for the parade and blah, blah, blah. And he said, do you, do you know what would shut down the state of Michigan? And I paused. And Zach, I didn't even answer the Detroit Lions, because I just assumed they're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a lot. And he said, if the Lions win the Super Bowl... Yeah. Dude, they're going to have to martial law the state. Oh, I've had people tell me similar things about uh, Cleveland. Oh, a hundred Have you seen? My God. They, oh, for sure. And not in, and just, it's, it's that kind of thing. The parade when the Cavs won was oh, amazing, but the best. J.R. Smith, I hope he's still shirtless. Yes. I hope he's still shirtless. But let's be real. <laughs> if you are a, te- a city that has a football team, yes. fo- the football team it's is not even It's not even a question. Yes. And the Red Wings are a huge deal. It's not, I think, not even close. The, the stickers on cars, you you get the old English D for the Tigers just because it's a Detroit thing, right? It's it's a if someone has that hat on, you know they're representing you know some kind of Detroit thing. The Red Wings wheel, the winged wheel thing is on every car, but the Lions transcend age and race and income and yep. everything because it's the NFL team in your town. Yes, and so I am rooting like hell for them to get. I, dude, I. 30% chance. I think it could happen. I think it's 30% chance. Absolutely. I won't happen. be surprised if we're coming in here talking about the Lions going to the Super Bowl. All right, folks. I hear the music, as they would say. Um, I'm Lou Rabot alongside Zach Cantrell. This is Rabot & Co. ESPN 680-1057. We will be back on Monday at 10 o'clock. We will review all the basketball games and obviously all the NFL playoff games as well. Have a great weekend. Again, back on Monday at 10. And we'll hope you'll be here as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.